All right, so Cappy, we have located that LeBron sound. We'll play it in the next segment um, from the trip to Miami where he made those comments you were talking about. And we can get back to all that in a moment. But I want to get people up to date on where we are on DeMar Hamlin. So just so you know, with DeMar Hamlin, obviously at the moment, Cappy, what was the, the situation was they were basically cooling the brain, right? That's the best way to describe it the, yeah, in so, layman's terms. So, so here's, here's what I'll, I'll just tell you. So I have a friend who is, uh, has a very close source inside the Buffalo Bills organization, and what she said is, um, according to this person, sounds like his vital signs are good. Well, you already said it's a she, so you did kind yeah. of blow her cover in That's some right. ways. Yeah. Um, and, and goes on to say that... Um, Vital signs are good, and they intend, this is not from the doctors, this is not from the league, this mm-hmm. is from a person inside, mm-hmm. they intend to wake him up tonight or tomorrow. Keep in mind, you know, he's been put into a coma, right? Right. Um, they think there is concern over how long the kid may have gone without oxygen to his brain. That is assuming they got to him fast enough. So um, now what I think the league is waiting for is, um, okay, look, if there's good news and the young man is going to come out of this, then let's play ball this upcoming weekend, week 18. Everything goes as as planned. If there's bad news and the young man is not coming out of it or is not showing positive signs, it is conceivable that the NFL may, in fact, may, I'm putting that in quotes, may say, guys, let's not play this upcoming weekend. We can push things back. We have time. So that is um, that is not, I'm not, you, know, you always say, I'm not reporting this, don't aggregate me, blah, blah. Nobody expects me to break stories, okay? I'm just telling you that I know somebody who's very close to the situation inside the Buffalo Bills, and that is what I've been told, that they intend to try to wake him up, and I don't know anything about pulling somebody out of a coma, either tonight or tomorrow. Um, how do you feel the NFL handled the situation in real time? Um, I, I, I felt like... There was the time when the player was on the field and receiving the CPR, and Joe Buck reports that they're going to have five minutes to get rewarmed up. And Joe and ESPN have stood by their report today. I'm sure you've seen this, right? Yeah. That that Troy Vincent, who works closely in the NFL's league office, said, "I don't know where these guys got this report, and that was never the case." And I, you know, I'm offended by. You know, everybody should kind of calm down a little bit, in my opinion, when I when it comes to what they're saying about what people are saying. Like, let's just all calm right. down. Joe this Buck is- and Troy Aikman are not going to put something like that out there unless it was told to them down the chain of command. George, all Joe Buck is doing is sitting in that broadcast booth, and he's got a producer in his ear, and I assure you that the producer and director are probably in communication oh, with the top listen, level of Listen, I know the producer of Monday Night Football. He used to produce on NBA. Phil Dean is one of the best producers I've ever worked with at any level on anything. And, and what he is doing is he's having a conversation with, I assure you, the highest level of executive at ESPN. And that highest level of executive at ESPN, call him the CEO for a moment, is having the same conversation with either Roger Goodell or whomever at at the league office and the partners are working together to decide what are we doing right now in terms of the game itself and the telecast of the game because that's what partners do in crisis situations and so when joe buck gets the report hey they're going to have five minutes to warm up and get back out on the field he he didn't come up with that on his own correct and nor did someone who gave it to him as well 
did exactly. not come up with them. Uh, and so then come when up Troy, with it on their own. Right. So then when Troy Vincent of the league office went on Keyshawn J. Will and Max today, right? That's where yeah. he was said it. And he yeah. said whatever he said. And I, I can I can pull up the quote. But the no, but it was is, basically that that we basically called them liars. Yeah, he says, uh, you know, we communicated with both head coaches. You know, we wanted them to have proper time inside the locker rooms to discuss. I'm not sure where that came from. Five minute warm up never crossed my mind. And and he went on to say, you know, some more what I would say colorful things about it. And again, I'm not here to defend Joe Buck. I mean, he's he's a superstar in his business, and he's you know he's the top level guy. He didn't just say it. He he's he's a long ways away up in the broadcast booth to down on the field. He didn't just go, hey, guess what? They're gonna warm up. In fact, when he said it, again, the director shot Joe Burrow throwing the ball. Correct. Joe Burrow th- and Stephon Diggs, who was in tears, had rallied the Buffalo Bills around him and was giving an impassioned right. speech. Right. So, th- again, to your point, the visuals were there. Why was Joe Burrow warming up if that wasn't the case? Right. So, I don't... Listen, I'm not here to be Adam Schefter today, which, by the way, speaking of Adam Schefter, I thought... Last night, when they cut from the stadium to the studio, you're, you're catching Susie Kolber, Booger McFarland, and Adam Schefter, who are now caught up in the middle of a news story, not halftime highlights. You know, And I thought that the crew did an amazing job yeah. of sort of feeding you their emotion to understand the severity and Booger and, McFarland and, and giving you the information necessary at the time as well. Yeah, and Booger McFarland was the first guy of everybody on on any broadcast. Booger McFarland was like the first guy to have a very strong opinion like stop the game. Yeah. Not hey, go to the locker room, nope. figure it out, come yep. back, get loose. Booger McFarland was like just forget it. And Susie Colbert uh, in that scenario also was like why are we even playing? Like what it, what is the consideration here? Right. Like yeah. And Schefter, I thought, interestingly, did a very solid job of kind of staying a little bit out of it in, in, the, in a weird kind of way. He's the insider. He's the newsbreaker. And letting Booger kind of show you his emotion as a former player, I thought that was that really resonated. You know, yeah, I thought look, everybody did a great I, job. I, I think that, look, we take a lot of grief. We as an ESPN take a lot of grief about stuff. Um, and I just think that's what happens when you are kind of – the big dog, right? Um, the self-proclaimed and initially and now legitimately the worldwide leader in sports. And you're going to take criticism. Some of it is fair. Some of it is unfair, right? But last night you saw why these people work at this company. Yeah, but you asked the question of how did the NFL handle all of this? Um, I, and I would say to mixed results is what I would say. Well, what what is what is the criticism though? Like, In, in other words, I didn't well, know this. Well, I, I think that People did are, you know how? Did you know that there was a protocol in place for a situation like this? I, I did only because Don Van Natta Jr. wrote a very lengthy ESPN the magazine article. Meant like I want to say nearly a decade ago. Okay, um, and I know because I talked to him about it after the fact many years ago um, about Roger Goodell. And in that conversation, one of the things that was reported was Roger Goodell basically. Uh, for lack of a better phrase, um, terrified about a potential scenario like yesterday unfolding on one of his fields. So I did know that there were protocols in place based on that story from a long, long time ago. Yeah, I see. I didn't know that. And George, I'll tell you, man, before NFL games, when I was working sidelines, I would always go to the referee meetings before the games just to make sure the referees knew who I was, make eye contact, shake hands, so that I could talk to the referees during games. 
Um, so I would always go to these ref meetings. I've never been or seen one of these meetings where the refs with the medical staff and everybody kind of preparing for if worst case scenario. Something. I mean, I just didn't know. I, I, so when, when you asked me the question of how did the NFL handle the situation last night, I can't really tell you that I think that they did anything spectacularly well. But by the same token, I can't tell you that, geez, I got a list of things that they did really, really, well, really poorly. I think, I think the thing is that um, – I think the thing is that you look at the 43 minutes, right? And I, I think that's what people are critical of. I'm not as critical of that particular but, – But critical in what way? That it took too long to decide. Yeah, but – Like the, what was oh, obvious. Oh, 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 what decide, was obvious. To decide if the game was going to continue right, on or not. Right, To decide what was obvious. Yeah, well – I. <laughs> So you know I'm a cynic, and I can't help myself but being cynical. As this was all happening, and as the ambulance has already left the field, and as the players have left, left the field, my mind goes to, what are the NFL executives trying to come up with right now? I mean, is this like a damage control PR situation where they're like all huddling going, what do we do? And actually, the longer it went on, the more worried I got about the kid. You know, the more worried I, I was that we were going to get some really bad news and that they weren't going to say anything for a while. But you actually brought up a good point earlier, which I hadn't thought about, which is if they immediately say, hey, game's over, they, you know, people might head for the parking lot. Oh, no, right no, away. no. I understand that. But to your point, once the ambulance was gone and it's it was literally a less than 10 minute drive to that hospital, um, there was still about 20 some odd minutes there where, you know, we were just kind of in limbo. And I think yeah. that's where people are being critical. But but I but as a viewer, I'm just going to say it like this, as a viewer who is sitting on the edge of my seat, not like biting my fingernails like who's going to win the game, I was on the edge of my seat like what's going to happen here? Seeing the video from underneath the stadium where the coaches are coming together and they're talking to the league executive and they're talking to the referees and the players have their shoulder pads off, but they're not 100 Nobody knew for sure, at least we the audience didn't know for sure. Um... I, I was, I, I just was fascinated and compelled, and I, I just it never occurred to me. Geez, it's twenty minutes. Are they going to play? Or are they not going to play? Let's get on. And Booger McFarland was like, "Dude, let's cancel the game. The network will put something else on television. The league will figure it all out, and let's not worry about the game." And I thought that was really. I don't think Booger is getting nearly the acclaim that he deserves for the way he handled the broadcast last night. I know Ryan Clark is, and rightly so. But I thought Booger McFarland was outstanding. Uh, Ryan Clark, yeah, both were great. But Ryan Clark, to me, really just drove things home in a way that... Um, because, look, and, and I don't... I understand where Scott Van Pelt was going, and, and we can wrap this up here in a second. Um, where Scott Van Pelt was basically like, hey, Ryan, you've been through this. Like You've literally been in a life-and-death situation on a football field. For those that don't know, uh, Ryan Clark was playing in a game in Denver when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And also had a medical emergency on the field and found out then he had sickle cell. Had no idea, basically. Um, and told the story base briefly about how he tried to play the next time they played in Denver and brought in a team of doctors and that Mike Tomlin literally listened for five minutes and told everyone, get the hell out of my office. Yep. He's not playing. Yeah. And but then Ryan drove it home by saying, but this isn't about me. This is about Ryan Clark. Like, this is about right. this young man here, and let's focus on this 24-year-old man. Like, I thought everything that Ryan Clark said, and look, I, I've, I've known Ryan Clark now for a long, long time, much better than I know Booger McFarlane, who is obviously great at what he does as well. Um, but I, I know Ryan. I know his wife. I know what kind of person he is. And 
That is exactly who he is when the microphone is not on either. Yeah. So it's why I love him so much, both as a person and as an analyst on this network. I thought the other part of it is, and he really, I thought, did a great job of explaining, look, how many times do players say we're going to war? How many times do players say I'll sacrifice my life for my team, for this game, for this championship, whatever? And then life and death happens on the field. And you're like, oh, gosh, all those things I say, I don't, know if I really, really mean that. Like, I know it's dramatic and it sounds tough, but do I really mean I'm willing to give up my life for this? And when it really happens, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't really know about it. I thought Ryan Clark did a great job of kind of just bringing those phrases home yeah. and then kind of putting it into practice. So we will keep you up to date on anything that's happened in the DeMar Hamlin situation, obviously throughout the show and really for the next couple of days until we have real news. So we will do that. We will also continue to do our show. You and I, Cap, we're talking about the Lakers and their recent run. And now do you say bleep them picks um, or do you move forward and just let the season play out? And I think there are consequences to both, which we can tackle on the other side, including hearing from LeBron. Uh, after their loss to Miami the other day that uh, set off alarms is what I would say in the sports world. So we'll get to all that coming up and we obviously continue to have our thoughts and prayers uh, for DeMar Hamlin and his family. And again, we'll keep you updated on everything and anything we know. All right, we'll be back in two minutes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Yes, Christopher, indeed, that is the case. We uh, will update you on anything that transpires. Uh, so far, we've got very little news, but if we have anything, we will pass you away. I know Josina Anderson, our former colleague here at ESPN who works for CBS Sports now, is saying that according to her sources that DeMar Hamlin is breathing is improving. We uh, we had that a little earlier during crosstalk uh, during Mason uh, in Ireland as well with Momo in today. So we'll keep you updated on anything we know. Isn't it amazing? Uh, we don't have any like hardcore new news. And yet, and I mentioned this to you earlier, I've been watching nonstop. Even though I'm seeing a lot of the same stuff I've seen all day long, same interviews, same medical analysis, same videos, et cetera, et cetera. I just can't stop watching it. Yeah. Well, at some point, um, I uh, it will that news will change, and when we have it, we will certainly pass it along. In the interim, uh, about 30 minutes ago, you and I were talking about LeBron, and you had mentioned his comments after they lost to Miami. Now, the, the Lakers have done a nice job here recently and have won three out of the last four. The one loss is 
uh, that loss to the Heat. And they'll play the Heat again tomorrow. They play tomorrow night, yeah. Correct. Uh, And you can, of course, catch the action right here on your home of the Lakers, 710 ESPN. And if you are so inclined, you can watch uh, me on the broadcast tomorrow. It'll be uh, Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, and myself uh, tomorrow on that game on ESPN television. So I'm going to be in the house tomorrow night, so I don't know if I'm going to get to see your act. But I don't believe you'll actually be there the whole game, will you? Let's be real. I mean, I'm going to go for at least the first half. Right, which means you'll be home. Mm. Nah, you, yeah, if you leave for the first half, you may not make it back in time by the end of the game. That's true. Then I have a choice. I either listen to Ireland on the ride home. Right. Or I turn on ESPN on my phone. Right, and you can listen to Breen in that scenario. Yeah, and then I can catch your act. And, per, and catch my act, yeah. Right, along the way. Right, right. And honestly, um, there might not be a big act to catch tomorrow, you know, is my guess. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, you know, I'm working with a three man crew who are the best in the business and they are the show. I am just there to provide whatever, uh, important reporting there is. And that's the end of it. You know what I mean? Like, so, and that is the job and that's the job I love is I love working with those guys. Um, because the role is very defined and I know that I'm working with the best team in the business. So I, I always enjoy working with those guys and the opportunities I get to work with those guys. And particularly Mike Breen, who is one of the kindest, human beings you will ever come across, uh, not in this business, which let's face it, there's not a lot of nice people in this business, but specifically in just in general. Um, and my heart still goes out to him and his family. Uh, I'm, I'm, we talked about this briefly. Remember he lost his house. Like the, the house just went on, lit on fire, basically an electrical issue and still dealing with that. Um, although better now they're in like a, you know, renting a place and whatever, an apartment and kind of dealing with it but yeah just tough tough stretch for him as well but i i, I love the man in, implicitly so well it'd be nice to see the lakers tomorrow though come out and um get a win over the heat after the way the heat i mean just manhandled them last week and not, uh, and not the just, heat beat the clippers last night too so yeah and, and not just beat the yeah. lakers but then the, the after effects if you will the right. ripple effects right of that kind of a defeat is what puts lebron on the podium after the game saying the stuff that he says, yeah. which then gives guys like us an opportunity to opine yeah. as to whether or not, hey, fix this and keep him happy so, or screw it and let him go. So let me just paint the picture for people, and then I will play LeBron decoder with you. Although there's not a lot of decoding that needs to be no, done on this one. He kind of says what he says. Yeah. yeah, not a lot of decoding that needs to be done on this one. But the i do think there's more to what he than what he just said and i'll explain what i mean by that um because there's a number of things to be frank with you so dave mcminiman asks him a question because i want to say i want to make sure i have the date right so this game was played on right before december 28th so it was 2 days before his birthday and it it was obviously the game before his birthday uh, that he played against the hawks so Dave McMiniman, who's obviously covered LeBron for a very long time now, when you go back to his days in Cleveland, and asked him a question basically about longevity. Like, hey, man, how much longer do you plan on, on playing in this game? And he took that question, answered it, but then decided, well, Dave, I'm glad you asked me because I'm going to go and take this opportunity to really tell people how I feel. So it's a long cut. It's probably about mm, two minutes and change. 
but it's worth listening to the entirety of it so you get the proper context. I think what gets lost in today's day and age is that we play shortcuts. You don't have the complete context. We're going to play the whole answer in full. Laura's going to play it, and you're going to get a real sense for how Walt went down and what he was trying to say, As to Cap's point, which I don't feel like there's a lot that needs to be decoded. I do know how much I put into the game, and I know how much I put into my body, into my mind, and all those things. Uh, um, but I kind of surprised myself sometimes, um, just at the level. Uh, when you look at the history of the game, and uh, obviously I've followed the game for so long since, you know, probably I was uh, maybe like eight or nine years old uh, when I started to really like, okay, this is the game that I love. <laughs> I started to read about the history of the game and, and um, you know, the people that have come through the game and how long they've doing it for and things of that nature. Um, doesn't seem like many have, you know, played at this level. You know, with this uh, many years and this many miles and um, things on their on their on their resume, so um, I'm just I'm you know I guess very humbled at the same time to be able to just play the game that I love still at this level and still be a, a, a focal point of opposing teams. Um, um, you know, when they look at the you know who they're going against, I'm I'm still up there at, at the top. You know, of you know this is how we. And we need to try to stop him or neutralize what he does and things of that nature. That's something I pride myself on, on being that, um, that, that level of player every single night um, when I'm on the floor. So uh, very surprising still, but uh, you know, I'm very humbled to be able to, like I said, play the game. I love to play every night, Tim. I don't, I don't have a number. Um, I know I, uh, as long as my mind stays in it, um, I, I can play at this level for for a minute. Um, now, you know, it's up to my mind. It's not my body. It's gonna be okay because if my mind into it, my, my, I would make sure my body's taken care of, and I'll continue to put in the work. Um, so, um, I'm, a, I'm a winner, and I want to win, and. You know, I want to win and, and give myself a chance to, to to win and still compete for championships. Um, that has always been my my passion. Has always been my goal since I entered the league at an 18-year-old kid out of Akron, Ohio. And I know it takes steps to get there. But once you get there and you know how to get there, um, playing basketball at this level just to be playing basketball is not. It's not in my DNA. It's not in my DNA um, anymore. So, you know, we'll we see what happens and see how, how fresh my mind stays over the, over the next couple of years. So the latter part, the beginning was basically him just being, you know, talking about like, hey, man, it's pretty awesome to still be playing at this level. And then when he was expanding on his thoughts, he basically told you, look, man, I'm not here to play basketball just to play basketball. I want to compete for championships. Yeah, and um, and that is interesting to hear, not because I didn't think that's what he was about, but because I've always also thought LeBron's affiliation with the Lakers was twofold. One, I can win with another team, with a legendary franchise. Miami's great franchise. They're not a legendary franchise. They're not Boston. They're not L.A. They're not the Chicago Bulls historically. They're a great franchise. They're not one of the all-time historic franchises of the NBA. 
So on one hand, it's like I want to keep winning and I want to do it in L.A. because in L.A., it's a bigger stage than Cleveland. It's a bigger stage than Miami. And also, while I'm in L.A., I can do all the other business stuff that I want to do, which has made me a billionaire. So I'm not suggesting to you, George, that I'm surprised to hear that LeBron still wants to win. But it does sound like that a little bit. I'm just saying that that there was a part of me that wondered. But I tried winning... to tell you from the de- the jump that that was always part of the goal. Like that that didn't that didn't change. Okay, um, so he wants to win. Great, and his mind, as long as his mind stays active, uh, and and he wants, then he can make his body do what it does, and he can win. But what he really goes on to say, which I think everybody probably heard and thinks is really the the part that we should be discussing is, um, I don't play just to play. It's not in my DNA. Right. Okay. So there's really, I feel like there's two choices here for the Lakers organization. And by the way, I think he chose that place. He could have said that same stuff at any of the other spots that they were when they were traveling, okay? Um, he chose that spot because he, A, has won there, B, because it's Pat Riley and the relationship and the history of Pat Riley and the Lakers, um, and C, if you recall last year, his trip to Miami, right well, before remember. right before then, he was very, let's say, at, at the very best, neutral on Frank Vogel, and then went to Miami and lost to Miami and then gushed over Eric Spolstra. Right. Oh, I remember it well. So, I'm, sure, I'm sure Laker fans do as well. Yeah. But there was a part of me that was kind of thinking, well, he's won, he's made a fortune, he's going to be the all-time scoring leader. So you thought that was enough? Well, no. I thought that in some ways he's kind of holding on to playing because, A, he can still be a 47-point guy. He can still put an entire team on his back. Right. As he has proven so far this year. He has done that. However, it's not enough for him to be great individually for the team. He can still score 47 points and they might win a game, but they also might be coming off a four-game losing streak because he can't do it all by himself every single night. Correct. And what he's saying is, I know that if I bring my skills to a team that has a supporting cast, I'm a great addition to it. I don't have to be the centerpiece all the time anymore. Well, he's proven that already this year. And you know what? Let's continue this conversation on the other side. Um, Because I do think that he's basically putting, you know, I don't want to say putting him on notice, but he's certainly voicing his displeasure for a reason. And I'll tell you what I think those reasons are on the other side. Thank you, Christopher. And we will keep you up to date on any new information. We have been told, we mentioned this earlier in the show, that according to reports, DeMar is doing a better job of breathing on his own, um, less so on the ventilator, which is always a positive sign, and we're looking for any positive signs in this tragic situation that we witnessed last night on Monday Night Football. So we'll keep you up to date on anything that transpires, whether it's this show, uh, any really show on the station, whether it's us, the network, or you know tomorrow, et cetera, and beyond. Uh, I hope by tomorrow this kid comes out of this thing. And I just hope that we kind of pull the, I don't know, this sort of gray feeling that we're all experiencing. I hope we we can get back to, you know, life tomorrow. Um, Just feel so bad for this kid. Yeah. You know, and his family and his extended family. And I just hope by tomorrow we've got some good news because I just feel this like, um, I don't know, this heaviness, you know. I don't think there's any question about that, that there's a heaviness to it, for sure, of course. 
Uh, that's a good way to describe it is the way I would call it. Um, so we'll keep you up to date on what's transpiring there. Now, you and I just were talking about the Lakers. Now, good things have happened to the Lakers. They've won three out of the last four. Their one loss was to Miami. And at that stretch, Cappy, they had lost four out of five in the way that the schedule had kind of worked out. They had beaten Orlando the night before. LeBron played the back-to-back. And they still lost to Miami despite a really good play, uh, good effort by LeBron. And in the last segment, we played a long version now, Laura, I, I want to play the short version of it here in a second. But basically, McMiniman, and I think LeBron took liberties with Mc, because it was McMiniman asking the question of being able to expand his thoughts because, A, as you know, Cappy, he trusts him, right? Like, there's no question. Like, when you cover a team, especially on a daily basis, there needs to be a certain level of trust between you and the reporter to be able to get the answer that Dave got, which was, let's face it, if you're someone in the media, is the jackpot, you know, answer in that scenario, right? Because it caused a stir. Uh, it gave LeBron that opportunity to speak his mind. And if you didn't hear it in the last segment, we'll play a brief version of it here about, you know, minute and so or whatever. Uh, about Dave asking LeBron basically about, hey, what is it like to play? You're almost 38 years old and keep playing at this level. LeBron answered that part of the equation um, and then went into this part of the equation to let people know, well, that's great. There's more to this. I don't I don't have a number. Um, I know I, uh, as long as my mind stays in it, um, I can play at this level for for a minute. Um, now, you know, it's up to my mind. It's not my body. It's going to be okay because if my mind into it, my, my, I would make sure my body's taken care of and I'll continue to put in the work. Um, so, um, I'm, a, I'm a winner and I want to win. And, um, you know, I want to win and, and give myself a chance to to, to win and still compete for championships. Um, that has always been my my passion. Has always been my goal since I entered the league as an 18-year-old kid out of Akron, Ohio. And I know it takes steps to get there, but once you get there and you know how to get there, um, playing basketball at this level just to be playing basketball is not. It's not in my DNA. It's not in my DNA um, anymore. So, you know, we'll we see what happens and see how, how fresh my mind stays over the, over the next couple of years. So, Cap, I was traveling that day to San Antonio for the Alamo Bowl. So I was watching it on, like, my phone, but obviously I didn't get a chance to watch the post game. So I get to San Antonio. I leave my stuff. I'm grabbing. I'm going to go grab dinner with a friend, uh, my colleague who I was doing the game with, and his girlfriend. And... As I'm at dinner, I look at my phone, I saw the tweets, right, about, you know, LeBron's postgame press conference. And I then tweeted at the time, this is as close to a plea for help as it gets. Hard to blame him. He can still be a key to a championship level team. And this is not that. And that is indeed the case. So where we're at now is, I think that LeBron is putting the onus on the team. Like, hey, man, you told me this, okay? And you tell me if this is true or untrue, okay? You told me, okay? That if I sign this extension, because people, the, the reaction that I hear from league circles about the way that people feel about LeBron is, well, he made his own bed here. 
right? Whether it's the Russ thing or the extension. He signed the extension. He didn't have to. And what I would say is, yeah, the Russ thing, clearly he had a hand in it, but that was two seasons, two off seasons ago now. <laughs> like that has, hasn't been remedied. And when you're in the LeBron business, and I've told you this before, you're in the LeBron business, you better push your chips all in every chance you get because there's only one LeBron. There's only one Kobe. There's only one Shaq. There's only one Magic. And that's the ilk of player we're talking about here. Okay? And what I would also add is, those picks, are they going to mean anything? We don't know. We talked about a story the other day about how some of those picks that have been traded, you know, five, six, seven years down the road, some of them have been lottery picks, but the majority of them have been either low lottery picks or outside the lottery altogether. So we don't know what those picks are even going to be. Like, you're guessing at this point that they have some value. And then... Thirdly, he signs the extension under the guise of, hey, if, you sign, if, if you're a free agent, how are we going to get anyone to commit to us? Or how are we going to be able to get a deal? We're going to be raked over the coals in a trade scenario because you're an impending free agent and they know we're desperate. If you sign the extension, then we have more leverage on our side. So he signs the extension. And again, this is me guessing. I don't know this, but I know this business well enough to know that that's probably a conversation that's being had. And then, still nothing. So, like, if I'm LeBron, I feel like I've at least been misled in this scenario, at least over this season. Yeah, um, okay. I mean, I see where you're coming from. But if I'm the Lakers and I'm trying to get LeBron to sign the extension, and the sell is we will not be able to get free agents because we don't have a commitment for Forget you. about free agents, just trades. Okay, be- well, Because they're not because teams are going to know that he's not committed. Yeah, so LeBron made his commitment to the Lakers. What you're saying is, is that the Lakers have not lived up to their commitment to LeBron. This season, I would agree with that, yes. Okay. And, and the extension goes from... At the end of this season, he's got two, two more years. seasons. Okay, and well, one—it's a one and one. It's tech for sure one, perhaps two. Okay, do um, do you think that next season? Let, let's just play this out for a moment. The Lakers do not make a move this season, right? If the Lakers do not make a move this season, if I were LeBron James, I'm not saying that this is what LeBron James would do. If I were LeBron James, I would seriously consider saying, asking them what is the plan here and observing what the plan is in free agency or you know via trade to augment this team. And if it's not to my satisfaction, if I were LeBron James, then I would be like, hey, like you guys sold me a bill of goods this last this past offseason. And I need to figure out what we need to do here. And maybe it's an everyone's best interest if I move on. Now, you just said it though. Hold on. You just said something very interesting. It might be in everybody's best interest, including the Laker organization. But it won't be. And here's why. That's what you say if that's what I would say if I were LeBron, knowing full well, it won't be. Here's why. Okay? The Lakers brand besides winning championships and being the crown jewel of the NBA is what? Superstar players. And catering to said superstars, yes? Fair enough. And you're not going to cater to one of the greatest ever? A generation 
that grew up with either him or Kobe. But the younger they get, the more it's going to be him that will have seen you not do what was necessary for him to extend his run. I That's not a good look if you're the Lakers. I'm telling you, you're playing with fire if that is indeed the plan. Let me ask you something. Did the Rams succeed in doing what they did, meaning when they pushed all their chips into the table, even though the Rams are now like, you, when you watch the Rams play, it's like watching a team play preseason football, right? There is no Aaron Donald. There is no Matthew Stafford. There is no Cooper Cup. It's, it's as if they're playing preseason football and it's week 17, right? Mm-hmm. But, but they've already succeeded in what they wanted to accomplish. Agree? Mm-hmm. The Lakers... The Lakers are not the Rams, though, bro. No, no, I got it. But what I'm saying is is that the Lakers will have, if, if LeBron James only wins one title... It's a disappointment for everyone involved. Okay, but but they did go from nope. as bad as they were. I, I get it, but to it is winning it, nope, a championship. No, this isn't. These are not apples to apples, dude. Not the Rams they are. The Rams are not the Lakers. The Lakers are in the business of winning championships and catering to their stars. That is their brand. Okay. Yeah, I know, but George, I mean, think about this. Before LeBron got to the Lakers, they were a disaster. Right. So they were a disaster from. I don't know how with Kobe had about what two or three more years that he played on a disastrous Lakers team. Correct. Okay. And then they were god awful for all those years. And then they got LeBron and they they got A D and they won a championship. And and let's just halt right there for one second. After winning the championship, the disaster in all of this, if we wanted to look back on the historical side of it, is they chose to break up that championship team. Most championship teams are like, hey, we, we just want to kind of get a little bit better. We're really good. We're the best team in the league. We want to get better next year. We're going to add a piece. We're not going to tear apart the entire roster. They pretty much did that. Not the first year. Well, I mean. That first the champ- year, they, the ju- they got rid of JaVale team. and Dwight is what they got rid of for Montres Harrell, basically. And then and then all the other st- pieces. KCP, but everything else. No, that's. Danny Green. No, those guys were. Well, Danny Green, but Danny Green was old. And, and, well, I'm just saying know. that but like, the, these were guys that were on the team. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, they but were, they were on the, the, the team, team. The team that won the championship, okay, in 2020, like that team was not. It wasn't as dismantled as people make it seem. Like that team still had guys on that roster who won the championship, including Kyle Kuzma, including KCP, including Alex Caruso. It was the year after that where they completely dismantled that thing for Russ. And who would you say was the most responsible? I actually for would say Russ? I would say that they were both equally responsible. Responsible. You know why? What makes what what is Rob Palink has openly said this. This isn't me like saying stuff out of turn. Rob Palinka has openly talked about how they want stars on this team. The owner has talked about wanting stars on this team. This is a star-driven team. Like that everyone in the world, John Ireland, star-living team, star-driven team, star-driven team, star-driven team. Everybody associated with that team says that. Nobody. I mean nobody on in that organization when Russ was coming thought it was a bad idea. No, no. Nobody. No, in fact, there was a celebration as if, "Hey, Look what the Lakers have just done. They got Russ. They're going to win a championship. And what I would add to you is this. The rest of the world 
for the most part, including me, who was a skeptic, but then got wooed by the powers that be that I spoke to, all right, on the different parties, that, well, you know, he's, it's like going to be a big three like Miami, and he's going to play the D-Wade role. And I bought into that, as you remember, for about eight games. And then that was like, nope, that's not happening anymore. So what I would tell you is this. They all were complicit on Russ, okay? Enough. They were. I don't want to hear this crap. That's easy to just say and blame well, it on LeBron. Yeah, listen, but but on the other hand, it because just, but it, no wait, because here's the deal, Cap. If you want to, if you want to, you and I have been friends for twenty years. Okay, if you came to me and said, "Man, I want to make a really big purchase," and you were like, "What do you think?" and I would say, "Cap, if I thought it was a bad purchase, I'd be like, bro, that's a bad purchase. Don't do that." And you're like, come on, I really want, everybody's egging me on. Everyone says I should, no, 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 no. Don't do it, bro. Kind of like your push-up thing. Remember when you yeah, tried to do. That, I wasn't that far off. Come on, man. I, I mean, that far you off. were still on. far off. I wasn't that far. I was seven push-ups away. Come on. Okay. Nonetheless, if you are someone in power and you are in charge, you are the steward of a franchise, okay? Whether it's the general manager whether it's, I'm going to, I'm going to say the whole front office. I'm not going to specifically cite one person, but you are the stewards of a franchise. If you thought that was such a bad idea, it's easy to say that in hindsight, when we all saw it after a few games and beyond that as well. But at the time, the greatest at what they do have some foresight to these things when, especially when a lot of people thought this would be the problem. So Genie and bus or Genie and Rob, the best at what they do. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, no, I, I don't have NBA? an answer to that question. I don't know. I don't. I, I would say that their resumes are incomplete in that regard. Okay, so I. I don't have. I, I don't have a real answer for you. But what I would say to you is that is that everybody here was complicit, and it's just lazy. Not you saying you're lazy, but it's lazy to say it was just LeBron. Because again, if no, you because it wasn't LeBron, it wasn't just LeBron. Right. It was LeBron. It was AD. It was clutch. It was a lot of pressure on the organization. Wait, so wait, the organization don't—they have no control over their no, team. No, no, but but they but they did exactly what you said. They kowtowed to a star. That's what they did. But no, why did they kowtow to a star? Rob Palinka's entire philosophy is get stars. The Lakers' entire philosophy is get stars. Of course they didn't object to it. Not because they kowtowed to a star. It's because that's what they think. Russ is a star. Get us more stars. Stars win games. Except they completely dismiss chemistry. And by the way, it wasn't just them. He did too. They all did. That's the point. So this notion that it's just him is silly. I don't want to revisit this fifty million for the fifty millionth time. But my point is this: if you if you if the Lakers push LeBron out the door, which I don't know they're going to do, nor I think honestly, if I if you ask me a question right now, I don't think it's very likely. But if it came to that, it would be bad news for the Lakers because it would be, feel a lot similar to those years prior to him coming here, those six or seven or whatever it was, where it was not very fun. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm hundred percent in agreement with this, George. I'm really not. You're not. What? I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not really in 100% agreement. Okay, well, let's continue this on the other side then. Thank you, Christopher. Yes, we will indeed keep you up to date on anything that's happening with Damar Hamlin. Our thoughts and prayers, obviously, are with the young man and really his whole family, everyone involved uh, in that situation yesterday. I mean, I would imagine, Cap, I don't know if you know this before we continue this discussion that we were just having on LeBron and the Lakers um, and their plight. Um, 
The NFL, for its criticism, I will give them credit for this. They have made basically mental health um, and psychologists, uh, mental health uh, experts and psychologists available to not just those two teams yesterday, but all the teams in the NFL. Because, it look, it's a traumatic situation what transpired there yesterday. There's no other way to describe that. Yeah. And I'll tell you, George, um, the kid himself, okay, um, I, I think I've told you this earlier in the show, but this is a young kid who, by all accounts, and again, most of us didn't really know a lot about the young man until the injury suffered last night. But if you've done any reading about him, I know for me, as a Pitt football alum, and he himself is as well, one of the things I really appreciated in, in turning, you know, get, kind of getting to know a bit more about his story today is, George, this kid coming out of high school, he went to the same high school as Dan Marino, Central Catholic High School in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. He could have gone anywhere he wanted to go. He had scholarship offers from Ohio State, which could have put him in the you know, national championship conversation. He had offers from Penn State, and he chose to stay home. He's a hometown guy, and he wanted to represent the hometown team. So I have a great appreciation for the kid wanting to do that. Um and I also love the fact that his story was that he you know, was trying to raise just a small amount of money to help what seems like his mom's like preschool, and it's turned into over $5 million raised so far. Um, just everything about the story, uh, like from, from a Pittsburgh. Now, again, we, we always give Lindsay a hard time about her Cleveland stuff. Today I'm going to go a little Pittsburgh on you. Um, it was a great weekend if you were a hit sports fan and i'm talking about the school not the steelers necessarily but george i don't know if you saw the the sun bowl did you happen to catch the sun bowl that ucla played in? i did what what a game and and what a spectacular bowl season usually it's just the college football playoff games that people watch the the rest of these are glorified exhibitions and nobody cares but the pit ucla game was an amazing game mm-hmm. so here you are you know you're this school and we are taking so much pride. Look at our team, this great comeback. This is awesome. What a win. You know, then it's Kenny Pickett on Sunday night for the Steelers over the Ravens with this kind of Patrick Mahomes-esque run to his left and, and just incredible throw. And the Steelers win. And gosh, this is so great for our school and our program. And then this happens. Where, where this kid, who was a sixth-round pick, who, as I described, local kid, chose to stay home, could have gone wherever he wanted, committed to his hometown team. It all kind of like fell apart with this, you know, this terrible news of what happened last night. It was so many great days of Pitt beating UCLA, Kenny Pickett, you know, Sunday night beating the the Ravens with this great throw, and and then this. It's just it's just unbelievably sad and tragic. And George, for as much as I've watched today on ESPN, flip over to another channel, flip over to CNN. I mean, Anderson Cooper is interviewing Bob Costas about this. It's everywhere. It's what everybody in the world is talking about right now. Oh, there's no doubt. Um, and understandably so. I mean, it's mostly unprecedented outside of... I, I mean, to be honest, it did happen in 1971 in a Bears-Lions game. Yeah, um, and I'm, you're going to have to excuse me. I didn't... Obviously, I didn't, I didn't witness that either. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I don't know that one. But I know the story only because I've read about it today, to be yeah. honest with you. I know. I heard Tony Kornheiser today come on, um, you know, pardon the interruption, and, and, and Michael Wilbon, and they were like, hey, this actually has happened before. It was 1971, these two teams, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, fellas... I get the historical context, but I don't know it. So this is the first time in my life that I can ever remember seeing an ambulance on an NFL football field. Ever. I just can't remember another time. 
I mentioned Mike Utley. This is probably the early Well, the Dennis 90s. Bird one. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, but but Mike Utley, the early 90s. Yeah, I remember. Um, Lions, yes. Detroit Lions. As he's being carted off the field, he gives a thumbs up. Now, he became uh, paralyzed from the waist down, mm-hmm. but he gave a thumbs up sign. And it turned into T-shirts and a whole thing back then. But there was no thumbs up. There was no, hey, I'm going to be okay. You know, there, there was no, you know, take off his face mask and tape his helmet down to a board, but we're putting him on a golf cart and we're taking him off the field. Let's play ball. It, it was completely different. We'd never, and you know, George, I was going to call Lewis Riddick to come on the show. And I saw Lou on social media kind of talking about this. But the reason I didn't call him to ask him to come on the show today to talk about it was, I don't know if you saw this on his social media or not, but his mom died. So I like, did not, no. Yeah, so here, here he is. He's, he's kind of mourning his mother. And as you know, one of the faces of the NFL coverage of ESPN, then this all happens. And again, you know, a brother, a guy who played at the same school, the whole deal. And I just didn't think it was appropriate to call him to have him come on today to talk about it, given what was going on in his own real life. Of course. You know? Absolutely. I'm proud of you. Yeah, because usually, I mean, I just make those calls. Correct. You know? Yes. I mean, even today, to be honest with everybody, we didn't talk about this, but you know, you and I were talking earlier today off air, and I was like, well, why don't we bring Lisa Salters on the show? And you were like, well, I don't know if she's got it physically or emotionally to, to come on the air with us today. And I'm like, I don't know either, but I'll text her, and right. I did. You did text her anyway. I did, and yeah. I, didn't hear, I didn't hear back from her, and I, I, I told her, I said, hey, look, I don't know if you got yeah. it emotionally, yeah. and if no pressure at all, but gosh, we'd love to talk to you. Yeah. She was on the spot. Lindsay, are you there for a second? Yeah, I'm uh, here. Is that any surprise to you that I would tell Cap, don't bother Lisa Salter? She was literally on till two in the morning being really emotional yesterday on television over something she witnessed in person. And Cap's like, yeah, I agree. I'm going to call her anyway. <laughs> well, I didn't call her. I just texted her. Right. I just texted said, hey, her. Look. I'm yeah. like, listen, I, if you got it and you, you're willing to talk about it, we'd love to have you. If not, no pressure at all. We totally get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I didn't hear back from her, which kind of I thought indicated she probably can't do it, you know? At least you prefaced it with no pressure. Yeah, I did. I mean, it wasn't like, hey, we got to have you. You know, it's come on. It's important. It's not important. You know, I thought she did a great job last night, Lisa Salters. I happen to really love her, but I thought she did a great job of being there on the spot and somehow holding it together because I thought to myself, man, I don't know if I could hold it together the way she is right now. Yeah, it wasn't uh, just what a what a job by her for sure. Um, Cappy, you know what? Let's take a pause here, though. Because I do want to, there are a couple of things I want to discuss. I want to finish our discussion because you disagreed with me on LeBron. Do you remember we disagreed with me about? Um, yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I don't know that that the Lakers should be putting all their eggs in the LeBron basket for, because at some point you got. But rebuild. what about their own basket? Like that's my point. Is that they they ha- they can't think for themselves. Well, they should start thinking for themselves. Okay, well, let's start thinking about what happens after LeBron. Let's do that on the other side. Let's finish that on the other side. And also, there's one topic you've been avoiding the entire show. What's that? Oh, oh, I think anyone that knows you knows exactly what I'm talking about. And we'll get to that also in the next hour. Stick around.